eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You are joined by me, David Davenport, and also in the huddle today, we have got James. James, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, another another uh, week successfully negotiated. Well, yeah, we've uh, we've not had the added bonus of Thursday night football this week. Of course, we had the, the Tuesday night football matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills, which was a surprise blowout for for Tennessee were you were you expecting that one James I wasn't expecting it to be a blowout but the Titans were still an unbeaten team and I suppose with the extra rest that a lot of their guys got they were going to be fit and ready for it in all that time that people have been saying well Tennessee's just you know COVID struck you forget that they're actually not a bad team and when you look at all the people who they were missing um you know either recovered or whatever, it didn't amount to an awful lot, really. Hmm. So they, they came out of that, you know, looking quite well. And suddenly, you know, they changed the talk from, oh, they're a cursed team with COVID or to, did they get an unfair advantage to, okay, the Titans are good this year. <laughs> yeah, and they, they had AJ Brown back, which was, of course, a big advantage. He has uh, been up for, for the majority of the season so far, and he was able to, to come back in and get a touchdown straight away. So, yeah, right. Tannehill, and then get injured again straight away. Well, yeah, exactly. But it, it just shows what that Titans team is capable of doing um, at full strength. And and Ryan Tannehill, he had the passing touchdowns. He had the rushing touchdowns as well. He, he looked really good in that system with Mike Vabrell. So, Interesting one, and I think I was expecting the Colts to, to walk that division this year, but the Titans unbeaten now and headed into a matchup against the division rival, the Texans, this week, where I think they've got a very, very good chance of going 5-0. and So onwards yep. and upwards for, for Tennessee. And the Bills, I don't think it's too much cause for concern. I think they are still going to pinch the division away from the Patriots this year. But um, there was talk about Le'Veon Bell heading to the Bills earlier in the week. Of course, Le'Veon Bell is no longer a New York Jets. He has parted ways after they tried to trade him earlier in the week. Uh, no suitors, so he was indeed released. And I think he said that he wanted to go to the to the Bills, the Chiefs or the Dolphins and eventually wound up with the who he thinks will be the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. So it broke Twitter. It actually broke Twitter that Le'Veon Bell went to the Chiefs. Uh, we were unable to, to tweet for a little while and and I, yeah it was it was quite a nightmare last night but yeah Le'Veon Bell is a Kansas City Chief. James that's quite the move we've been talking about it on the show for quite some weeks that Le'Veon Bell will either be traded or caught before the before the week nine deadline uh, it has happened but were we expecting to go to KC? Nope. I mean, when the sort of, even before the shortlist came out, I was like, well, what team could use him? And as in genuinely use him, you know, you need a number one and is in a position where they actually might run the ball. And to say Miami had been the first place that had come to mind. I mean, Miles Gaskin's not exactly been doing a bad job, but Le'Veon Bell is a bit of an uptick. But 
sort of when all the chatter came around about, you know, the Bills, Kansas City, it was like, okay, this is Left Bell looking for a title. So um, I can't say, as soon as the shortlist came out, I was like, yeah, if, if the Chiefs offer him anything, he's going to go there. Because, I mean, he's owed that much money by, the, well, he's owed six million by the Jets. Um so he's, you know, I don't, he's not quite as insistent on the money as he was in Pittsburgh. Um, I had to laugh whenever people say they'll go back there. I think that's, that's a bridge that got burned. But um, yeah, the case, the KC thing, the, what the other, the, it sort of, it broke Twitter for two reasons. One, it's like, oh gosh, is Le'Veon Bell now actually, you know, fancy relevant and going to be fantastic again. But also it was kind of full of memes of people who had Clive Edwards Hilaire and drafted him in the top five, suddenly crying, thinking, well, there goes my stock value. And um, yeah, I, obviously the one thing to note is that because of the COVID protocols, Bell cannot practice with the Chiefs for at least six days. Um, I believe he's got to have five consecutive negatives and then a sixth in-person negative before he's allowed into the training facility. So the earliest that he can practice is probably next, is it next Wednesday, I believe? So he'd be have the potential to play next week, but um, you know, you may, it may be another two weeks before you can play him. And considering he'd only just come back from being on IR, um, those who've been hoarding him for ages, it'd be like, you can find, finally he's going to get let free and then you've probably got another two-week break again. Yeah, but that surely just holds you in good stead for for the rest of the season. Like he's he's going to be able to come in. I think he's going to play all over the field. He's not just going to be restricted to the running back position. We know what Andy Reid's like. He has different players lining up every single where in that offense. So Le'Veon Bell, he was well, he wanted paying like a wide receiver and a running back in Pittsburgh because he, he believes that that's good. So I think we'll see him in the slot. We'll see him out wide, and uh, we'll see him certainly at the at the goal line and and in the backfield there. So. It's going to be a very interesting one. It's going to be one of those ones where we need to see some weeks of Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the same backfield just because we want to try and work out from a fantasy perspective. I'm cautious at starting either of them for the first few weeks just because I think we're going to see a real split here in, in some very interesting in workloads. I think Le'Veon will come in and get the goal line work, so that, so that will certainly be an uptick for him there. Um, I think he will be the, the the best scoring back for the rest of the season, but it, it's going to be close. And like you say, he he has come back from IR. Whether he would just put on IR because the Jets and they the want to play him, yeah, exactly. They were sick of the relationship with each other, and it was just an excuse to get rid of him for three weeks before cutting him. Uh, maybe maybe that. And people say, yeah, but he had three three point seven yards per carry last year. And all I'm going to say to you is Adam Gase, Andy Reid, like. Le'Veon Bell is still, <laughs> he's still only 28 years old as Le'Veon Bell. He did sit out a year of his career as well. So he, he hasn't got those miles on the clock from that year. I think he's going to come and he's going to be good. There's a lot of people on Twitter saying that he's washed, that he's not going to be the running back that we saw in Pittsburgh. And yeah, we're, we're not going to see 2015, 2016 Le'Veon Bell, but he's still been to three pro, pro bowls. He was still well, far and away the best running back in the league at one point. And I think in that chief system, he is going to be incredible. So, yeah, I, I got Le'Veon Bell in a couple of leagues just as the just as the problems are happening in in New York, and uh, I'm 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 glad. Now, James, are you picking up Lamichael P. Ryan, Frank Gore, or neither? 
Depends on the league. Kiss, I would normally have just gone nope, nope, and nope, but if it's a dynasty and it's quite deep and the running back market is frankly horrible, P. Ryan is not the worst pickup. Just because if they he's he's basically gonna get one of those rare times where you know a, a not he wasn't the highest drafted running back, let's put it this way, but as a rookie, he's gonna get a reasonable amount of touches for the rest of the season. Granted, on a team that's not likely to run a lot, but is gonna and is gonna struggle, but it's experience. So while he's not exactly gonna be in your lineup unless you really are up against it on bye weeks. You could find that, you know, if he turns out as a diamond in the rough, fantastic. If he doesn't, you just drop him and draft another one next year. It kind of, it, there's almost a possibility that he could break out as soon as Adam Gaze is gone. And it could just be that, you know, a new, you know, a new regime could actually, you know, they need a running back that they feel feature and they could just pick P. Ryan in the end. I mean, Frank God, the infinity stone that is. <laughs> we'll, we'll never. He's never going to flashy big points. He's never. He's not even going to be particularly serviceable. He's just going to be there. So you know, you wouldn't expect more than ten points a game from Gore and Fantasy. Whereas you know, you'd probably rather gamble on a bit of a better chance in P. Ryan. So uh, we shall see. Yeah, again, it will be a very interesting one there, and I'm not overly keen on either. Unless you say like it's a issue deep. That dynasty league where the running back game is thin, which it has been all season, to be fair, this year. So, in other news, COVID is trying its very best to ruin our season once again. Uh, we have seen Patriots had another positive test from a player today, which puts their game against the Broncos in jeopardy once again. Of course, that game was already postponed from last week, which had a load of repercussions now. James and I were just talking off air, and if this game does indeed get cancelled or postponed then we can see no other alternative bar the week 18 or the Patriots having to forfeit the game for the Broncos which would set the precedence for the rest of the season anyone else and I, I don't think the Patriots can be penalised for this it is a global pandemic they will be following all of the guidelines and stuff like that and I, I just don't think that Roger Goodell would do that to uh, would do that to the New England Patriots. So I don't. See, I'm starting to get to the stage now where I don't see any other option apart from the Week 18 week. And of course, if we do get a Week 18, then that will open up any other games that need postponing to just be simply dropped into to that Week 18. So I think we'll gear up more and more around the league as well. The Colts closed the facility this morning because they had a positive. And then reopened again this afternoon because um, all four positives that came back were retested as negatives. Of course, the same thing happened to the New York Jets last week where they had those positives that turned out to be false positives. And the Falcons have also reopened their facility today uh, because they have had no new positives since I think it was an assistant coach got tested positive um, a couple of days ago. They've had no new positives since then. So it only looks like the Patriots game is in jeopardy at the moment which will be massive because um, we don't know when that's going to get rescheduled for. But apart from that, it looks like all other games should go ahead this weekend. And of course, OBJ has been tested for the coronavirus, but he has tested negative, but remains away from the facility uh, due to 
an illness and in this time any player who is suffering from an illness is, is being kept away regardless of what that illness is just for safety protocols but he is negative so it looks like the Browns will be playing this weekend so that is your COVID news hopefully not too much impact but James we will go straight in and who is your top matchup that you want to discuss from a fantasy perspective for this weekend? So my match, well, my first matchup this week is going to be the Packers at the Buccaneers, which starting we're going to start in Tampa Bay because that the injury list they've got there is well difficult. Um, let's put it that way. The pack the Packers are not the greatest against the pass. In fact, if you look on ESPN's um, scoring, I believe they are thirty second, so the worst. So you want to be playing your wide receivers against the Packers. However, and you'd normally say with the Bucks that that's fantastic because you know you've got two fantastic ones being thrown to by Tom Brady, and that's the game plan. But Chris Godwin is still questionable. Bruce Arians is pretty well, he says he's he thinks that Godwin will return for the game. Um, so you know, in what capacity, whether he's gonna be a sort of 50% or a 75% Chris Godwin, it doesn't sound like he's gonna be a hundred percent, but he will probably play. Mike Evans was limited in practice on Thursday. As far I don't know about today, obviously, but um, that's another questionable. Scotty Miller, after completely and utterly obliterating a few teams last week with his zero, um, has a hip or groin problem. He's limited. So, oh, and Gronkowski also limited. Uh, so. It's they're not getting a lot of practice in in terms of the uh, pass catching course down there. Um, and I would simply put this way that if they're playing, you're going to have to play them in your lineups, as in Godwin, Evans, and that's it, basically. I wouldn't even think entertain the thought of playing anyone else. Um, you know, even if they all miss, I wouldn't be rushing to pick up any of the backups just because that offense is too unpredictable. Um, one of them will inevitably go off, but it's just impossible to call. Um, in terms of the running game, Len Fournette's questionable, um, but again, has been getting in limited practices, which has the potential, if he does play, to you know stunt Ronald Jones's performance. Uh, but Ronald Jones at the moment is sort of the most secure running back in that room, and I'd still feel okay playing him, although the Packers aren't the worst against the run. And if you have Brady, this is probably one of those weeks where you can play him reasonably comfortably just because of the Green Bay secondary not being overly elite. Um, speaking of Green Bay, it looks like we are going to get Devontae Adams back. So after his sort of displeasure at not being allowed to play before the bye week, um, he's clearly going to be okay and uh, back into the fray, which means you don't have to particularly you know, worry about will Marquez Valdez-Scantling perform or not because, well, Devontae Adams is going to get most of the work. Um, Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers are just your insta starts. There's no need to discuss that, uh, which basically leaves us with the dilemma of Robert Tonyan. After having his three-touchdown game before the bye, is he now you know, a thing? Is that Was that a one-off? Do you go for him throughout? Um, I'm still undecided. I picked him up in our auction league, and there's a few other places as well. And, you know, he's going to be highly earned in a lot of places. But 
with Adams back, I'd be reluctant to play him in any lineups this week until we know how that shakes out with the number one receiver for the team back. Because I don't see three touchdowns in his immediate future, even across three games. But um, Aaron Rodgers, when he finds viable weapons, uh, he likes to use them occasionally. So the big question you know, to come out of this week will be, who will be more effective, Robert Tonyan or Marquez Valdez-Scantling? What's your thoughts, Dave? I don't want to start a tight end as a... As a wide, as a like in place for wide receiver, like if you, if if that makes sense. So I know he got the touchdowns, and I, I'd still rather go Marcus Valdez Scantling in that in that scenario. Yeah. It's I, I would always go wide receiver over tight ends in that situation. And I, I know Tony got the touchdowns, but yeah, it's uh, Valdez Scantling for me. Thank you very much. Is touchdown upside dependent, which with Adams back, that allowance kind of drops. So. Yeah, and you've got Aaron Jones there as well, who's a touchdown monster. So I, I, I'm, I'm just doubtful that we'll see another three touchdown performance from from Robert Tonyan again. But tight end position, it's it's been ravaged by injury as well. So he, he's a nice play as well. So it's it's, it's not like it's a, I'm not even sure it's a, it's an either or. I, I'd be happy to start both this week. Okay, so we head over to mine, and that is the 0-5 Falcons at the 1-4 Vikings. And it's like the stoppable object meets the um, uh, movable, movable, no, sorry, the stoppable force meets the the movable object in this one. Something's got to happen, and a team is going to walk away from this one with a win. Um, and I can't tell you which. So obviously the Falcons earlier in the week got rid of Dan Quinn and the GM there as well, which we uh, had great pleasure in trying to remember earlier in the week. So they have got Raheem Morris, who is the DC. He is currently the he um, he is currently the interim head coach, which doesn't fill me with confidence considering how porous the the defense has been there in finally find the calling. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's not great there. Uh, he was also the the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2009 to 2011. They had a terrible record there as well. Um, well, he had. Really bad season, a ten and six. Really bad season as well. So uh, it's it's. I'm not even sure that that coaching change will have too much impact on the Atlanta Falcons. There, injuries hot off the press. Dalvin Cook has been ruled out of this one. He was doubtful all week headed into this one with a groin injury, but within the last ten minutes, he has been ruled out of this one. So Alexander Madison is a must start. Like we're not going to break out into song again, are we? Alexander Madison. His name is Alexander Madison. Um, yeah, so wow. that's for all of you Hamilton fans up there. Alexander Madison is a must start. As far as other injuries go, yeah, it's a similar situation for Falcons pass catchers as it is for the Tampa Bay pass catchers, as you've just alluded to, James. Hayden Hurst is questionable with a back injury. Russell Gage is questionable with a shoulder injury and Julio Jones is questionable with a hamstring injury. What a difficult one there against a Minnesota Vikings team who are giving up a lot of points to pass catchers. So they're giving up an average of 30.2 points PPR to the wide receivers, uh, fourth most in the league. So everything's pointing to me that Calvin Ridley is going to have another monster day the way he started the season and the way that uh, Minnesota are defending the pass. 
I, I, yeah, I can't see any other scenario then than Calvin Ridley going off. He's one of the most targeted receivers in the tight end this season. Uh, he's getting the touchdowns, he's getting the yards. And apart from that one goose egg, which we won't talk about, he is currently the wide receiver three on the season, averaging 20.4 points per game. So everywhere you've got him, fire up Calvin Ridley. I'm also sitting Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst and Julio Jones because even when they have played, they've not looked as sharp. And we, we talked about Hayden Hurst earlier in the week as to whether he was droppable or not at this point. I don't think he quite is, but especially if he's questionable headed into this one, we need we need roster space. So I, I said I wanted to keep him because he got the six targets last week, but if he doesn't play this week, I, I really cannot justify keeping him on my roster. So I do change my answer slightly, James, to, um, <laughs> to, the, to the question nah. and asked me earlier in the week. If you need that roster space, Hayden Hurst has got to be a casualty and, and players like Robert Tunyon, who you would have been able to get off the waivers this week. Um, yeah, I do make way for him. Uh, Young Koku has got a lovely matchup this week. So he is currently the kicker nine, despite missing a week, uh, averaging 11.8. And he is going up against the team that is conceding the most points to kickers. So he's got a great matchup. Start him up. I, I think he's the start of the game. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's what we've got to um, in fantasy, where Young Koku is the uh, is the start of the game in this one. Um, Matt Ryan, you, you've got to start him. He's he's not been prolific, but he has got a, a favourable matchup. Uh, Todd Gurley, he's looked really good so far to start the season. He's, he's getting the work. And finally, last week, we saw him getting that pass work. He had five targets last week, which is something that we've we've missed from Todd Gurley all season so far. So, yeah, he's he's a start as a as a borderline wide receiver. Uh, sorry, running back one there. Which, uh, which is great for people that drafted him where they did. And on the other side of the ball, Kirk Cousins, I'm not happy about it, but I'm starting him because the Falcons are bleeding points to fantasy quarterbacks this year. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the most favourable matchup for, for a fantasy quarterback. So Kirk Cousins has got to start. Obviously, we saw Teddy Bridgewater have a day last week against them. Which means Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are both starts. Thielen already is the wide receiver too on the year. So against this Atlanta Falcons secondary, I am going all in. Dalvin Cook obviously is a sit. So we've already said that Alexander Madison is a start. This really annoys me. It is a really favourable tight end matchup for Minnesota. Uh, the Falcons are conceding the second most points to the fantasy tight end. But James, are you starting Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph? Because I'm not. Now, um, I'd start Smith at a push. Um, Rudolph seems to have completely disappeared. He's gone into hibernation until Christmas. So, um, <laughs> Irv Smith seems to be the more likely of the two. But I say, I think Jefferson and Thielen are going to be the two to hook on to, really. Yeah, me too. I think, uh, I think that's going to be a great game for, for both of those. Yeah. One um, other thing I'm going to. Can I chuck one thing in? Yeah. If Julio and Gage both miss, uh, deeper leagues, Olamide Zacchaeus is going to be an interesting play and I think is worthwhile. Um, and we, and I, had to, I, had to, I had to laugh when we talk, talk about the play of the game is the kicker in Young Waiku. Um, to be honest, I've been saying with the Colts offense that the play, the, the play for every week is Blankenship. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, the uh, the Edgar Davids of the of the NFL, um, Blankenship. But um, it's, actually, it's not week two in so many leagues, <laughs> and it's probably the only thing that's well. It's the one, the biggest positive coming out of the Colts this season in terms of the offense. Obviously, the DSTs, you know, smashing. But um, yeah, the Blankenship's been superstar for for a lot of my teams, to be honest. Although I will just use this this nice uh, segue to plug my uh, trade article, which came out last night, where Jonathan Taylor is my top trade four player because yeah, Philip mm. Rivers done. He yeah, we, we we had our suspicions, but he he just hasn't got the ability now to 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 be the playmaker in that Colts offense. I, I think we will see uh, Brissett uh, before the end of the season because even though they they brought Philip Rivers in as the guy it's clear that he, he can't get the job done. So they're going to have to lean on that running game more. Obviously, Marlon Mack went out in week one with a season-ending Achilles injury. And the rushing schedule for the Colts for the rest of the season is incredible. It's so good. Apart from the fact that they play Pittsburgh in week 16, um, apart from that, <laughs> it is it is phenomenal. So uh, go and get JT because he's, he's been a really safe floor. Like he's had at least 79 yards or a touchdown in every game this season, um, which, yeah, isn't great, but he, he's had a reception in each to, to bump up his PPR score. But if he can really get rolling, if he can really get those touches, then I think he's going to be... Uh, he's the running back 13 on the year in both PPR and standard, which, yeah, a good running back too. So people are getting frustrated with him, but go out and get him because I think he'll make a push for the top 10. Just a little plug there. Back to you, James. Who is your second matchup that you would like to discuss? So considering I, I often tend to pick very similar teams, I've gone very much off piece for this one and gone very much to the bottom end of the NFL. And then I'm talking about the Washington football team against the New York Giants. So with one win between them so far this season. So... um. It's one of those matchups where, you know, on paper, it's a who wants to lose more for the draft position. But these are two teams that I think have shown signs and then might want to try and win this one because it's too early to be tanking. Uh, but it's just whether it's one of those where genuinely is are the personnel good enough to actually get them to a win? And at this point, someone's going to have to. Yeah. Um, with the Giants, Daniel Jones has been awful, for want of uh, any other expression, really. Um, he's just, I mean, he's not getting a lot of help, but he has been awful or just throughout, um, both for fantasy and in real life in the NFL terms. So um, when we thought that when Barkey went down and we were thinking, right, this is fire at Daniel Jones and all of the uh, wide receivers, it's been a case that you barely want to start any of them at times. I mean, Evan Ingram's hardly been a thing this year. Um, a few mediocre games have kept him into, you know, in in the tight end position where you have to have him on a roster. But, you know, you're not starting him with confidence. Um Darius Slayton is probably the better of the wide receivers, but he was the limited participant yesterday. So, you know, even the best pass catcher is questionable. Uh, Golden, you know, Stone Shepherd is still on IR. Golden Tate is back fit and back running, but he's a floor fill-in at best. And beyond that, 
it's really difficult with the, the um, Giants. The good news, though, is Devonta Freeman seems to have worked. He's not, he's by no means Saquon, but he's been getting more and more effective through the weeks, and he does seem to be in a reasonably good stead. However, if I remember correctly, the Washington football team are not exactly terrible against the run. No, um, well, line, yeah. yeah, they have a decent defensive line. They have, they've had some bad weeks, but and a lot of that is probably because they've been forced to you know defend more just with the ineptitude of their offense. So um, tiredness may be a factor. So I'm I'm more than happy playing Freeman where needs be. If you if he was you know you were one of those that picked him up off the waiver wire when that news was announced, then yeah, I think this is one of those good weeks for you. In terms of say, I've already mentioned with wide receivers and with Evan Engram, it's very much if he's the one you've got on your roster, then play him out of necessity. If you have a better option, then go for the better option, please. <laughs> um, over on to Washington, and even though Dwayne Haskins is back in the facility after having his illness, um, inverted commas. Um, it's still Kyle Allen's offense, even though he didn't return to the game last week and we managed to get the beautiful moment of Alex Smith playing and then the horrific moment of him being on the floor all day. It is Kyle Allen who's going to get the start. And unless you are in a league where there is no quarterback on the waiver wire and you need to play one, you know, out of necessity, you're probably not starting him, even though the matchup isn't exactly bad. Um, it's just hard to feel like justifying it. Um, yeah, missed the turnover himself. Alex Smith could find himself in another game here quite conceivably. Um, so we shall have to wait and see. Uh, running back wise, Antonio Gibson is still the starter and should be reasonably relevant. JD McKissick was in the hype train article and as a pass catching running back, I think he gets a decent uptick especially with Kyle Allen there dumping it off to him. I think McKissick's going to see quite a lot more work. Um, and yeah, I am starting him in a few leagues and it is actually ahead of people who, you know, you would say are more established. So it's, he could be a very interesting play. Uh, wide receiver wise, Terry McLaurin, if you've got him, you play him. Even if you're not exactly certain on Kyle Allen, you'd still have to rely on a number one wide receiver when you see him. Beyond that, I don't think I can play anyone else. Dontrell Inman, he really was only effective on the times when McLaurin was sort of slightly hobbled. And Logan Thomas looked fantastic at the beginning of the year, and he seems to have now disappeared off the face of the earth. And one thing that the Giants are good at is defending against the tight end at the moment. So, yeah, you are struggling. The one thing to bring up with this one is these two defences are probably two of the most picked-up defences this week. Not because they're necessarily good, it's just that they are against terrible offenses. And yeah, this could be one of those games where, you know, the defense scores the most points. There could be, you know, DST could be the highest touchdown scorer, even ahead of the quarterbacks. So, um, you know, take all that as you wish, really. But I just thought I'd highlight one at that end of the scale. Yeah, and it's it's nice to be able to talk about these kind of games because it's it's, it's easy to talk about the the winning teams that are going to we know whether the fantasy production is going to come. But Washington have conceded thir at least thirty points in each of the last four games, and New York have conceded at least thirty points in two of the last three games. So 
yeah, I think this is going to be a high-scoring one. There's going to be fantasy points everywhere. And like you say, it could be that the DSTs themselves are doing the scoring. So it will be a fun one to watch uh, for two teams that are both still in the division race. <laughs> one and four. And Somehow. <laughs> yeah, I think it was if the Giants had won um, last week, they'd, they'd have topped the division. Um, somehow, but uh, Washington particularly with their one win are still in the race. So, yeah, what a, what a crazy division that is. And what, like you say, one of these teams has got to win, and one one of them will uh, will get back in the, the division race with with the said win. So, yeah, crazy crazy NFC East. Back to Michael Self, and I am looking at well, I looked in my first one at the unexpected zero and five and one and four. Falcons and Vikings, and now we're going to the unexpected four and one Bears and the unexpected three and two Panthers. So I tipped both of these teams to be to be not very good this year, but both have surprised me. So Carolina, obviously three and zero since losing Christy McCaffrey, which I'm not sure anybody predicted, and uh, the Bears getting back to winning ways after beating the Buccaneers again, which I didn't expect on Thursday night football last week. So they've had a nice long week to get ready for this one. And that shows on the injury report. So the only fantasy player of note on the injury report for either of these sides is Curtis Samuel, who is questionable with a knee injury. So lots of healthy people in this one, but it does make for an interesting fantasy matchup. So I'm starting near the cute quarterback. So uh, they give the 30th and 31st most fantasy points to to quarterbacks these teams so Nick Foles and Teddy Bridgewater unfortunately you are both sitting on my bench this week unless it is a deep super flex league where I'm wanting to start them as my best second quarterback but I think with a super flex league something that I'm very quickly realizing this season is that I'm starting some very interesting people I did tweet out last week that I had to start Mahali Cox in the super flex in one of my leagues and that just went disastrously for me so well no, yeah, exactly. No, Ali Cox. Welcome to uh, to twenty twenty. But um, I, I will always try and put a quarterback in the in the superflex where I can. So yeah, if you have got Nick Foles or Teddy Bridgewater, please don't put Mo Ali Cox in the in the superflex over <laughs> this week. Um, but uh, one one of my one of my top players this week is David Montgomery, the the Chicago Bears running back, because Carolina ship fantasy points to running backs uh, they're currently giving up 27.4 fantasy points per game and even though David Montgomery isn't he hasn't had the highest amount of uh, fantasy points per game so far that's a something that can't be ignored and he might lose a couple of uh, carries to, to Cordell Patterson here and there but he will be the main ball carrier there so Chicago please just let David Montgomery run because you are not going to get this one done through the air and having said that I am still starting Alan Robinson he was another player on my trade for uh, candidacy this year because the amount of targets that he has seen in the last three weeks is ridiculous. He would be, over the last three weeks, based on his receptions alone, that is with zero production, he would be the wide receiver 55. And that doesn't sound great, but that is just on his receptions in PPR leagues. He, yeah, really, really great time for, for Alan Robinson. He's getting peppered and Nick Foles is going to take him to the stratosphere. I said this all preseason. I said that, well, I, to be fair, I said that Nick Foles was going to beat out Mitch Trubisky for the job. And it looks like they had to start Mitch Trubisky for the season and they got rid of him at the first possible point. So Nick Foles, 
He's no Joe Montana, but he is going to certainly help Alan Robinson's fantasy production. And he is going to be amazing for the rest of the season with the targets and the receptions that he's getting. Jimmy Graham, again, I don't feel good about it, but the tight end situation that we find ourselves in the fantasy world right now, I am starting him. He is averaging 11.6 fantasy points per game. So let's go for it. He's had four touchdowns in the first five weeks of the season. So uh, we, we, we've got to start him there, even though, again, it's not a particularly great matchup. Uh, Chicago, uh, Carolina are only giving out 4.5 fantasy points per game to, to the tight end. So it, I'm not feeling great about it. But Jimmy Graham, if he gets me a touchdown, then that's seven points at least. And I, well, 7.1 points at least that uh, I'm getting. So I don't really care. And on the other side of the ball, Mike Davis, he has deputised fantastically for Christian McCaffrey. And like we said, they have 3-0 without him. He has been the running back two on the season since uh, McCaffrey has been out. And Christian McCaffrey was actually featured in my trade for article because there's going to be some fantasy owners out there, maybe the, the more casual ones. And we, we discussed this earlier in the week, James, that have forgotten how good Christian McCaffrey yeah. is because Christian McCaffrey is no doubt going to come back in and as soon as he's fully healthy is going to take all the work straight back off Mike Davis there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that um so he will come back in and Christian McCaffrey will be the, the the top running back in the league so maybe there's a couple of people that have just forgotten that and uh Christian McCaffrey is in his most vulnerable position that he has been for certainly the last 18 months and that what we will be for the next 18 months so yeah it's, it may be worth just putting a note into the the christian mccaffrey owner just to just to test the water see what see what can be achieved but mike davis in this one i am starting uh, robbie anderson he has had three 100 yard games in his first five of the season and one of those two that he didn't was a 99 yarder so go on <laughs> I'll give you that extra yard, Robbie. You can have four, four 100-yard uh, games to start the season so far, which is a very nice floor to have for a for a fantasy wide receiver. He has only had the one touchdown, which came all the way back in week one, which, again, I'm not too worried about. If I'm getting that nice, safe floor with 100 yards per week, then, yeah, he's, he's going in my lineup every week. Then we look at the, the other wide receivers there. Curtis Samuel, as we've already mentioned, is questionable for this one, so I'm not starting him. And DJ Moore, it is a really tough one. Chicago are giving the second least uh, fantasy points to, to wide receivers this, this week, well, so this year. So, yeah, it's a stretch with Robbie Anderson, and it's a no for, for DJ Moore. And then at tight end as well, Ian Thomas, nah. No, thank you. He um, was at a two-point conversion he got last week. I remember seeing him um, catch a ball in the end zone, but I think it was the two-point conversion, not the touchdown, which doesn't help his fantasy production too much. But Joey Sly, it's all about the kickers this week. <laughs> Let's go. He's averaging 10 points a game. He's a kicker seven. And the uh, Chicago Bears are averaging 11 points. So he's... Uh, He's statistically averaging a 10.51 in this week. So, yeah, let's go, Joey Sly. But that's it. There's not too much other people that I'm starting this week. It's a it's going to be an interesting one. And there's going to be a team, I think, the Bears at 5-1. and one. I just would not have thought that. And then the Panthers at 4-2 and two equally. So it's going to be a really interesting one. And someone's got to win this one to, to, to really crack on towards the, towards the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, James, who do you fancy winning this one? I was just thinking I can't actually call that one because 
it's you know the Bears' defense has been fantastic, but you know the offense isn't much to shout about, and the Panthers seem to have have a decent enough offense and the defense isn't spectacular, but it's not bad. Um, it's, you know, I, to be honest, I'd, I'd actually give the edge to Carolina just because of how good Mike Davis has been. And um, not a lot more than that, really, to be honest, it's, it's just which team has, would you feel has the ability to score more and, I would put that to Carolina quite comfortably. And I think that's pretty much the deciding factor here. Indeed. So fantasy managers, let's just bear in mind that we have got another Monday night football doubleheader here. So we've got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills kicking off at 10 p.m. And then we've got the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys kicking off at quarter past one on Tuesday morning. So um, keep an eye out for those. I've not heard anything to suggest that those games could be in jeopardy, but we've we've got to be remembering that we need to have some backup plans if either of those games don't go. So um, yeah, if those are all moved as part of the reshuffle for the Patriots um, Broncos game. So this was this was the NFL desperately trying to scrabble around a way to crowbar the bye week in, not because it wasn't quite as easy as it was for the Titans and Steelers. But obviously now with the um, with the same game with the Patriots and Broncos being in jeopardy, um, it's going to be you know very much keep your keep your eyes and ears peeled. Yeah, it it, it could work either way having this this double header on the Monday Night Football. So if for example Chris Godwin is in your lineup and he doesn't go in the the late game. Then you've got another option to, to flex in to, to your lineup uh, with that game. But equally, if a KC or Buffalo game goes, or the, the Arizona or the Dallas game goes, you're really strutting around for, um, yeah. for, for players there. So it, it could work either way. But like we say, at the moment, touch wood, there is nothing to suggest that either of those two games are in jeopardy. And of course, we've got the Los Angeles Rams at the 49ers on Sunday Night Football, which Again, I would not have predicted at the start of the season the Rams would be four and one and the 49ers two and three, with the Rams now having the ability to end the 49ers season. I'd say uh, this time last year, in a very similar week, it was the 49ers that ended the Rams season and they could now well do the same to us this year. So very interesting one there. But um, just, yeah, just bear that in mind for those late games headed out of the week. James, anything to add from a fantasy perspective? For, well, for any perspective for, for the rest of the NFL week? Well, there's one name I wanted to throw in as an honourable mention as a potential start of the week. We haven't done that for a little while. Um, I'm gonna, I want to you know, shout out James Robinson for the Jaguars. Um, they're against Detroit, who are 29th against the run. Uh, the Jags have got DJ Shark and LaVisca Chenault questionable. Um, Shark didn't practice and Chenault is limited. Um, so you're relying otherwise on Keelan Cole. So I think this is a game, you know, the Rams coming off the bye. I think this is a game where Robinson could come up quite nicely if you have him. Um, so, you know, just going off piece. Obviously, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins against the Cowboys is just about the tastiest wide receiver matchup out there, I would say, this week. But, you know, running back-wise, I think James Robinson's one of my favourite players. So, you know, DFS players, he might be an interesting one to try and, you know, structure your squad around. Because I don't imagine he's going to be as expensive as the likes of Zeke and um, Derek Henry. 
Um, it'll be interesting to check up on Mike Davis's price as well this week, actually. So um, I'll be putting a few lineups in this week, I think. Yeah, and you did just mention uh, DJ Chark, who has just announced on Twitter that Baby Chark is on the way. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he That's... and his partner have announced that uh, she's expecting. And, uh, yeah, he made a Baby Chark reference in there, which I absolutely love. So, yeah, DJ Chark, you win Twitter this week. His status to play is questionable. Is um, joke making is definitely not. <laughs> uh, James, uh, close out the show for us. Where can we find you on Twitter? As always, look for me at NFL Hype Train. Toot doot. Toot toot indeed. I have been David Davenport. You can find me on Twitter at Dav underscore F10Y. Please head over to our Twitter at F10Y Fantasy, where you can get involved with Startem, Sitem, Giffem. We will have all of the weekend content that you need. We'll have your starts, sits, your injury rankings. We will have your DFS plays. We will have your injury reports, everything that you need to win your fantasy matchups this weekend in an all important week six where you really know now where your where your season's heading. You know that if you are tanking, ready to get those draft picks ready for next year, or whether you can push on now into the playoffs and win. So week six, I'd say, is that season where you know the outcome of your season, whether you want to crack on. So best of luck in every single matchup that you're doing. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, give us a review, give us some feedback. We'd absolutely love to see it. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you early next week. been listening to the full 10 yards fantasy podcast you can find us on twitter at f10y fantasy and over on our website www.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your american football needs from nfl general fantasy football college football and even brit ball thanks for listening and remember folks keep those eyes peeled